Yes, how fantastic. Zoom for Sam podcast. and welcome to the 10th episode of the Zoom for Sam podcast. The show where I share my joy of Samantha Fox by spotlighting a single single in a single episode. A proud paw to the Fire and Water Records feed from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am your host, the somewhat cheeky when not completely naughty Zoom Yukonori. And today we are taking a look at what I had found to be the most poignant track from Ms. Fox's second full-length self-titled album. As I had mentioned in episode one of Zoom for Sam, it was my listening to this album, which was owned by my then flatmate in 1988, that made me appreciate Ms. Fox for her vocal talent and musical versatility and not just for her more than a passing resemblance to my dear friend from my Form 5 class, Danielle Parsons, a resemblance of which I was all too reminded by a cold stab in my heart when I had first saw Ms. Fox's somber portrait that filled the front of the album cover. I am sure that many of us had experienced that phenomenon of how a song could mentally take you back to a particular moment or event in your life, with the memory becoming as clear as if it had happened yesterday. Typically, the song itself would have been playing during the event in question, or near enough to the time of the event to make an association. However, in my particular case with the Samantha Fox songs, her voice and the lyrics would take my mind back to a time before the songs were created, and even before Ms. Fox had become known to the UK public consciousness. But that was really no surprise to me. When I had first simply beheld the appearance of Ms. Fox, the first time I had seen her Touch Me video on the telly, I found myself drawn to the very day in October 1979 in which I had first met Dan after my Form 5 lit class. I remembered how her beautiful sea-green eyes literally sparkled as she introduced herself, and how she looked at me as if I was the one person that she had been searching for. And, to be clear, I mean the one person that she had been searching for to help her with her literature studies. And, as I would soon find out right after our first study session, the one person who could help her provide an alibi so she could secretly date other boys in our school, an activity her overprotective parents did not permit.
The first music track on the Samantha Fox album that had truly triggered a reminder of Dan was the fourth track, Naughty Girls. Though I must admit that my thoughts were making an unfair association between Dan and this song, which was essentially about a promiscuous, heartbreaking girl who philanders from affair to affair until she unexpectedly falls in love and then has to deal with this new emotion. While Dan did date four other boys during the first five months that I had known her, I had never thought of Dan as a, quote, naughty girl, as defined by this song. However, others in our Form 5 class definitely did, partly because of the dating frequency I had just mentioned, partly because of what she had worn on many of those dates, and partly because Dan's naturally chummy personality could be perceived as a tad flirty, especially when she would be chummy with the boys on campus. Dan was, of course, very chummy with me as well. She would call me Zumi, a nickname I would have probably hated at age 16 if it was used by anyone else. And I will admit that Dan calling me that nickname in her deep, breathy accent did sound like she was being mildly flirty with me. And mind you, that was not a complaint. Dan had admitted to me one time that she found it easy, and occasionally fun, to use her looks in order to be noticed and liked by her classmates. And this was true for most of the male population in our class. Though I had noticed that liking seemed to be of a mostly superficial nature. While the boys would be nice to Dan, they did not seem interested in truly getting to know her. Meanwhile, most of the female population in our class was not very accepting of Dan, to put it mildly. Since I had met Dan, I became aware of, and silently infuriated by, the whispered rumors and innuendo about her supposedly being a bit of a tart, so it was no surprise that Dan had never really felt that she could fit in at school. I believe my similar difficulty with fitting in was what had drawn the two of us together in friendship. A friendship that grew to be quite intimate, though platonic. I was so fortunate to get to know Dan beyond her gorgeous physique, and for the kind, beautiful, and generous soul that she was. She would always be willing to help me, whether it be putting together a school project or talking through some personal teenage angst, as only a really good friend could. And I wanted to be a really good friend to Dan as well, which was part of the reason why I helped her with her studies and allowed her to use our study sessions to cover for her clandestine dates and, when those dating relationships took an unsteady turn, why I would be there for Dan to offer a listening ear if she wanted to vent, as well as a shoulder to cry on after each breakup. Of course, as regular listeners would know, the other part of the reason was my one teenage emotional issue with which I would not let Dan help, or even be made aware. I had unexpectedly fallen in love with my best friend, and I had to deal with that emotion in silence 
while I helped enable Dan to find love with another. And that was why I had never saw Dan as a, quote, naughty girl, but as simply someone who was looking for true love. And one day, just like in the song, she thought she had finally found it. These bittersweet thoughts of Dan were slowly trickling into my mind since I had first saw the Samantha Fox album cover in that 1988 flat, and especially as I was listening to Naughty Girls. And then the needle started to read the fifth track of the album, a beautiful pop ballad entitled True Devotion. This bittersweet ballad, written by the late Lal Mason and Mark Shreve, is essentially about a woman sadly ruminating on her just-ended relationship, and the fact that she still loves her partner. While it was far from a novel song concept, true devotion still had an incredible impact on myself personally at the first listen. The reason being what I had stated earlier about how a song can take one back into one's memories. And while the words in True Devotion were not the same, 
Ms. Fox's mournful vocal delivery reflected an equally mournful conversation Dan and I had as we sat on the couch of my parents' flat one cold, rainy Friday evening in March of 1980. Well, I sat reclined on the couch, while Dan had kicked up her feet and laid her head heavily on my chest. It was an all-too-familiar weight— reminiscent of three somber occasions when Dan needed some friendly comfort as she was going through a painful breakup from a boyfriend. And the reason those relationships had ended was due to those boys wanting to take the relationship to a physical level to which Dan did not want to go. But on this fourth occasion, her breakup with Derek, this time it would be different. Dan had arrived at the flat about forty minutes prior, soaked to the bone, dressed in a halter top and a very short skirt, her heavy makeup running down her face more from her tears than from the rain. I let her use my shower while I made some hot tea and put her wet clothes in the washing machine. When I had left Dan at the library earlier that evening, She was wearing a more modest set of clothing and carried a duffel bag, which contained her school books and obviously this change of clothes. So now Dan was clad in one of my sweaters and a pair of sweatpants, which, being an Asian cut for me, and with the two of us about the same height, they were actually a good fit for her. I would find out later that Dan left her duffel bag and original clothes behind when she stormed out of Derek's place earlier that evening. She did arrive with a small handbag, which fortunately had her purse so she could purchase a train ticket that would bring her to me. As I had mentioned on episode 8 of Zoom for Sam, Derek was a 19-year-old server at a pub near our school, which was owned by a friend of my father's. So the owner allowed Dan and I to have a celebratory after-school meal, which Derek served, and we left the pub with Dan having plans to date Derek later that week. After the first few dates, Dan told me that she found herself to be fascinated by Derek, who was much more mature than the boys in our class that she had dated previously. She was so sure that he was the one that she agreed to consummate their relationship on their third date. Dan had told me this last pot on the couch of my parents' flat on the night after her fourth and final date with Derek. Her quiet voice choked with sobs as she snuggled her head deeper into my right chest. She also told me about how Derek had told her in very harsh terms earlier that evening that he essentially got what he wanted from Dan and decided to move on. And it was as if Dan revealing that fact to me had released an emotional floodgate within her. She clutched my midsection tight as she started to speak more frantically. Her otherwise smooth voice cracked with sadness and anger. She said that she was such a fool to have loved Derek so. And why did love have to be so unkind? She even swore aloud that she should just give up on finding love entirely, which made me want to say something to discourage that thought immediately, except that this was not the time to start such a debate. 
I had never seen Dan this distraught before. And with good reason. She had just broken up with a boy for whom she had given up her virginity, after all. I will admit that I had felt my own heart sink a bit when Dan told me about having sex. And yes, there was a mild tinge of envy behind that feeling. But what I found to be truly heartbreaking was the fact that Dan had first described the act to me with one simple word. Beautiful. But now she was talking about the sex. And love. As something that made her feel... Dirty. I gently stroked Dan's back and listened as she continued to vent her anguish and frustration. That was what she truly needed. But she eventually directed the conversation towards me and apologized profusely for making me lie to her parents and cover for all of those dates that she had for the past five-plus months, even though I had made the choice to do so. She was also sorry for interrupting, well, her exact words were ruining my evening. And before I could tell Dan that she wasn't, I felt her trembling embrace grow tighter as she apologized for how I must have thought of her now, for she felt that she had essentially become the tart that the other classmates had always accused her of being. And Dan did not use the term tart, but the four-letter synonym that Derek had called her earlier that evening. And her saying that word had brought me to tears, which I was fighting to hold back so I could respond to Dan as clearly as I could. I told her that she was not a... not a slut. She was a woman in love who had made a mistake, and I would never think any less of her for that, and I would never stop being her friend. At that, Dan sat up slightly on the couch so that she could place her head on my shoulder and enable me to return her embrace. We held each other for several long minutes, a time of tenderness that I will treasure forever. And I realized that I truly had no reason to be envious of Derek. All he wanted from Dan was essentially a one-night stand, so he was missing out on so, so much. He would never get to know what a truly beautiful person Dan was, on the inside as well as out. The amazing person with whom I could talk about any problem and who would help me chop it down to bits and get to the root of the matter and make me see that it was really not that hard of an issue to tackle in the first place. The impish girl with the mischievous flicker in her sea-green eyes, who could make any wad of paper in her hand fly fast and true to any target she chose, including, on occasion, my own backside. The chummy friend who could make me momentarily forget my worries with a gentle jab to my shoulder and a flash of her puckish grin. The beautiful soul whose deep, hearty laughter could not help but warm my heart. The clock struck the nine o'clock hour in the living room of my parents' flat, and Dan had to head back home to pack for her and her parents' interstate trip in the early morning to visit relatives for the weekend. We had forgotten to put Dan's clothes in the dryer, 
so she wore my clothes home. Which was just as well, given that her parents never, and should never, had seen Dan's dating attire. And my clothes did not look like boys' clothes when Dan was wearing them. Dan even made a joke to playfully embarrass me after she boarded the crowded train that would take her home about how we could give each other's clothes back on Monday. <laughs> but before that, I had finally professed my love to Dan, and she replied with a simple, I know, Zumi, with such sincerity to suggest that she had always known and what happened before that was what enabled me to tell her what I could never say before. I spent one of my prepaid train tickets so I could see Dan off on the platform, rather than say goodbye at the ticket counter. And while we had said nothing to each other during the three-block walk to the station, and for several uncomfortable minutes on the empty platform, Dan broke the silence by saying, well, she said that the only person she truly had in her life was me. And I had taken that in a way to mean that Dan could always count on me to be there for her. And that was true. Though she also said this in a somewhat purring voice that made me gulp nervously as she stepped closer to me. I stammered a quick reply of, uh, well, that's what friends are for and told her that I, I cared about her a lot. Her voice suddenly became very flat when she asked, Is that all? Just care? And before I could reply, Dan stepped even closer and suddenly kissed me, really kissed me, and I kissed her wanting to lose myself in the sensation of her warm lips melting over mine. Yet in the back of my mind, I was hoping that I was kissing her back correctly, and hoping that this kiss would never end. And I was amazed that Dan had shown no signs of breaking it off. Our kiss was very long, yet not long enough, as we eventually heard the train approaching. I hope you closed your eyes, boy, she teased. My eyes were closed, but my inexperience must have been obvious to her. had changed everything. And during the weekend afterward, I was both elated and terrified about Dan's and my relationship going forward. At the time, Dan was my best friend, and with her I had the strongest relationship I had ever had with a girl, a woman, hell, with anyone. But I wanted us to be more than friends for months, and now I had finally admitted that to her and she already knew that I loved her. 
And despite my having a very limited view of what love was at age 16, that didn't make my feelings for Dan any less genuine. I even fantasized a bit about how our study sessions going forward would cover our own clandestine dates, much like they had technically done on past occasion when Dan and I would take a break to go out for a friendly meal or to catch a show at the cinema. Except now it would be different. More romantic, I thought. But Dan never did say that she loved me. But she did give me that amazing kiss. But she was also devastated from her breakup with Derek. What if she was just seeking comfort? What if she wanted to just remain friends? As I had stated before, I had been able to know Dan much more intimately as her friend than her dates had done as her boyfriends. In fact, I had noticed that the three boys in our school that had broken up with Dan would barely even acknowledge her in the classrooms and hallways, and Dan was completely fine with that. Could that happen to Dan and I? If we take it to the next level and I screw it all up somehow and then our friendship would be reduced to breakup number five? The last thing I wanted was for Dan to be hurt again, as well as for me to be the cause of that pain, and for the two of us to lose... <sighs> I should have been grateful for what I already... Well, I was grateful, very grateful... I suppose I meant that I should have been content with what I already had with Dan, this beautiful friendship to be treasured forever. And yet, throughout that weekend of mental back and forth, I had found that what I truly wanted most was another kiss. A kiss that would never come to pass. I was surprised to find Dan absent from school the following Monday and no response when I rang her house five times that evening. And then there was the school announcement on Tuesday about the fatal car accident that changed everything again.
There are a number of songs in Samantha Fox's discography that are about ending relationships, and most of them tend to stand out in my mind because they essentially carry the self-empowering message of standing strong on one's own after such a breakup. Rather than the typical fare that features a lovesick singer longing to have one more chance to get back together. Of course, True Devotion is a breakup song that would fall under that typical fare category. However, to me, this track will always stand out for how it made all of those precious thoughts and memories from Dan's and my final night together flood back into my mind as I sat back on that tacky vinyl chair by the phonograph in 1988. Although, at that time, I had had eight years to process my loss, I still felt the burn of my tears as they seeped through my closed eyelids and I felt the stabs from the shards of my still-broken heart that I carried within my chest. And I had found that I still wanted Dan, my best friend, my first love, back again. It was a cathartic moment that I did not know I needed, and for which I could never thank Ms. Fox enough. Thank you for listening, and thank you for allowing me to take you back in time nearly four decades to the pretty British girl with the sparkling sea-green eyes who in just five months had made such a tremendous impact on my early life. And thank you for also allowing me in past episodes to introduce you to my lovely wife Namiko, the wonderful love I now have in my life. And that brings me to my sad news about the future of this podcast program. Given recent circumstances, which I will not go into here, I am going to need to be spending more and more time with my wife and family. And unfortunately, I will not be able to continue this podcast any longer. But I am glad to have had the opportunity to explore and celebrate a little of Ms. Fox's musical versatility and share how some of her songs had touched me in numerous ways throughout my life. My thanks to Rob Kelly, Shag Matthews, Chris and Cindy Franklin, Siskoid, and Ryan Daly for allowing me to host this program on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and to Ryan especially for making this show a part of his Fire and Water Records feed. My thanks also to my son, Isamu, and Adrian Zett for helping to edit episodes when it had started to become difficult for me to do so myself. And my thanks also to everyone who left comments on the Fire and Water podcast show page and who helped promote previous episodes of Zoom for Sam on social media. And my most extreme gratitude to Ms. Samantha Fox for her music, her encouragement, and her participation. While there will be no next time, may you all always Stay foxy, my friends. It's breaking love.
The views expressed on this podcast program belong solely to the host, who is not affiliated in any way with any music record label or entertainment company. All copyright and trademarks of music, audio clips, and quoted text are held by their respective owners. These are used for illustrative and entertainment purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. Special thanks again to Samantha Fox for the music and the encouragement. The Zoom for Sam podcast is a Professor Zoom Productions production. Hi to everybody watching Zoom podcast today. Um, I'd like to pay my respects to Zoom um, as he was a fantastic fan and he will never be forgotten and um, let's celebrate his life today. Um, one of Zoom's favourite songs was True Devotion. Uh, this is one of my favourites too and it does remind me of past relationships and I know it reminds Zoom of his ex-girlfriend called Danielle who very sadly passed away at 16. Um, but that's music for you, it brings back so many memories and obviously listening to this song right now we think of Zoom and give all our well wishes. So I'd like to say goodbye and be careful during this COVID-19. Stay home, be safe and lots of love and kisses. Mwah.